Retirement Tips Radio is brought to you by Business Radio X, the voice of business in your community. Currently serving over 25 markets, the Business Radio X network is growing fast. We're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders. If you'd like to make additional income while making a difference, discover more at brxteam.com. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Retirement Tips Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us John Ripley, and he's with Smarter Retirement Solutions. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Smarter Retirement Solutions. Uh, How are you serving folks? Well, we're a team of six folks around the country, uh, Florida, Colorado, and Texas, and uh, we've been serving uh, to some degree or the other, clients since 1975. Our founders have been working together, they're brothers. And we, uh, over the last five years, have begun focusing a lot on serving federal employees, law enforcement, uh, air traffic controllers, uh, folks that work for the post office, customs border agents. We discovered that they just didn't have uh, a lot of advocacy and uh, we're filling the gap and really enjoying that. So how did you kind of stumble upon that niche? Uh, back in 2015, we ran into some folks that uh, asked if we could provide some assistance and it took us a little while to figure out the different moving parts. Obviously, anything that Uncle Sam does, um, it's better to have 17 rules instead of three. I don't know why, but uh, spending some time in the Marine Corps early in my career, I learned that, that, uh, that there's probably more rules than necessary to accomplish anything. And that's really true with federal retirement also. So people were just struggling to figure out how do they navigate through uh, managing their benefits and making decisions on uh, their dollars and how to save them, save them inside the thrift savings plan, outside uh, IRAs, Roth IRAs, TSP, those kind of things. And you know, as we became more familiar with the process and discovered some of the challenges that federal employees have, we just met a lot of great people and really enjoyed working with them. Now, when a person is con- in uh, contemplating retirement or it's approaching, is there some kind of um, a mindset shift or should they be focusing on certain types of um, kind of foundational elements to ensure that their retirement is what they dream it to be? It seems like out of every workshop that we do, and we work with uh, a company called ProFeds, they're based in Chicago, and they provide educational workshops all over the country for federal employees. Uh, it, it seems like 40%, maybe 50% of the folks that attend those events uh, write on the evaluations, gosh, I wish I'd have known this 25 years ago. And it's the same thing. I had a, a Marine Corps colonel tell me when I was 20 years old, if you put away $100 a month, Uh, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're old. And I don't think any 20-year-old really believes that, but the ones that do are millionaires. And uh, the federal employees kind of have that same epiphany when they realize that there are an incredible array of federal benefits. And if you maximize each one of them along your retirement or, or along your federal career, by the time you hit retirement, you really can transition pretty nicely from a working budget to a retirement budget and still have uh, a lifestyle that's uh, that's suitable for you. 
Now, is that uh, something that they learn kind of later on? That's not something when they start their job, people are like, hey, you know, if you do these six things, you're going to be golden. Um, but they got to kind of figure it out on their own. Is that probably some of the disconnect? That seems to be the disconnect. And that's why our friend Chris Kowalik actually started ProFeds uh, in 2008. Uh, she's a Marine as well. And uh, she left the Marine Corps started working uh, with a large financial advisory company and they had a lot of military clients. And what they were discovering was nobody really sat folks down and said, here are all your benefits, here are all your options, and here are some decisions that you can make today that you'll be very, very happy with 30 years from now. And here are some decisions you can make today that you'll be very unhappy with 30 years from now. So Chris kind of took on a, a challenge of, getting information out in front of people uh, sooner rather than later. Most people don't show up to these events until three or four years uh, prior to retirement, but the ones that show up when they're younger are, are very, very grateful for the opportunity to kind of turn the ship around more slowly. So what are some of the low hanging fruit that's out there for folks um, that aren't aware of it, you know, earlier on their, in their career? Well, the biggest thing is thinking about what's going to happen to taxes in the future. And it really, it's not a political statement one way or the other. As a country, we are carrying a massive amount of credit card debt. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who takes the White House, who takes Congress over the next 10, 15, 20 years. There's really no, going to be no place for taxes to go but up. And if we look back uh, all the way till 1945, the, the highest uh, point of uh, taxation was 93%. So the highest effective tax bracket in 1945 was uh, 93%. Today, the highest bracket is 40%. So what that tells us is Americans have absorbed a much greater degree of taxation during times of crisis. Well, if we look around the world, we're certainly in a time of crisis now, And it's not unlikely that those crises are going to go away anytime soon. So when somebody's thinking about, do I contribute uh, to my 401k or in the case of a a federal employee, their thrift savings plan, if your employer will allow you to contribute to the Roth concept or the Roth side of the house, what you're making a decision on is that you'll pay the taxes today rather than be taxed on the growth and those contributions in the future. And I describe it this way. I said, look, if you're a farmer and you're going to go plant an apple orchard, the Roth versus the traditional is just like the idea of, would you rather pay tax on a hundred bags of seed to build your orchard? Or would you rather pay tax on all of the harvest of that apple orchard forever and ever, as long as you own it? And when you put it that way, most people actually sit back and go, well, gosh, yeah, it's kind of painful to pay tax on the seed. But if those apples then uh, produce fruit for me in the future, if those trees produce fruit for me in the future, and I don't have to pay taxes, well, then maybe I should just go ahead and bite the bullet and do it now. Now, when a person is uh, kind of planning for their retirement, are there kind of some areas that you would recommend to spend extra time in? Like, as part of the plan, we've talked about taxation, but should you be thinking about, okay, what am I going to do about my health? What am I going to do about if I want to leave a legacy? 
how do I kind of protect my uh, my nest egg from, you know, the things I can't even anticipate today? I think the the biggest challenge that the financial services industry has experienced over the last 50 years is that for as long as people have been investing, uh, the idea has been, let's go grow our wealth. Let's go make money. And you can see it every night on television. It doesn't matter what channel you're on. People are trying to give you opportunities to go and capitalize on opportunities and and money-making ventures. Where the financial services industry, I think, still lacks to some degree the ability to educate people is it's not how much money you have necessarily, it's how much cash flow you have. Uh, My friend Carlin Tucker coined a phrase, income is the outcome that matters most in retirement. And when you sit there and think about that, that really makes sense because you might own 10 million acres of land and you might be very, very wealthy. But if the farmers that are renting that land are experiencing problem or the oil wells uh, that you have on that land cannot produce oil at a profitable manner, it doesn't matter how much stuff you own. If it's not providing any cash flow for you, it's effectively worthless for you today. It might be worth something great in the future, but it's not accomplishing anything for you today. So the financial service industry needs to realize, and our team certainly already does, that helping people plan for predictable and reliable and sustainable sources of income is ultimately the way that you can help them retire safely. So you think about uh, federal employees, for instance, they have a federal pension. It's called a FERS or a CSRS annuity. So that is a predictable, reliable, sustainable stream of income that's going to last as long as they do. They also have access in some cases, in many cases, to social security. Well, that also is an annuity. So it's just a lifetime payment that that happens. A state employee would have a very similar program. Some uh, big companies may still have pensions, but most people have replaced a pension or most businesses have replaced a pension with the 401k. So the big question is, if I have a 401k and it's full intention by the federal government when they created that beast was to replace the missing pension, well, then I've got to figure out a way to teach my 401k how to think long-term because for my entire career, I've just been adding money to it and hoping that Wall Street will make it bigger. So whatever the magic number was, was it 100,000 or 500,000 or a million or 2 million or 3 million, whatever your magic number was in retirement, now you got to figure out how to make that number give you income that lives as long as you do. And so many people forget that coming down off of uh, the building of wealth in retirement really means you've got to have streams of income rather than just cash. And then when you're looking at streams of income, maybe historically people could rely on um, interest or dividends uh, well, when the interest rate's so low nowadays, how can they still get some security or safety and still get that reliable cash flow? That is a, a huge conundrum. Uh, when I left college in the mid-80s, all my friends uh, down in Houston, Texas that were doing very well in the financial service business said, look, John, uh, we're making 12 13 14% predictably on your money. 
All you got to do is you got to get to a million bucks by the time you're 55. Um, we'll let you take 10% per year. So you can make a hundred thousand bucks a year. You'll never touch your principal and life will be great. Well, 10% uh, became nine, eight, six, five. And then the magic number was 4%. So I do a lot of traveling around the country and, and speak for other financial advisors. And I asked the question uh, from the front of the room, what's the percentage that you can take from your portfolio on an annual basis and never run out of money? And invariably, everybody raised their hands and they say 4%. Well, the challenge is uh, all the way back to 2007, Wharton School of Business published that 4% was really not a sustainable number. And then uh, Dr. Wade Fowle from Princeton has just hammered 4% with uh, dozens of studies in the last few years. And his number and his research is all the way down to 2.7%. So I asked the question, okay, think about it this way. If you had a million dollars in your 401k and you were planning to live on 10% of that every year and it was going to make enough money, well, you could pay yourself 100,000 bucks a year. That's a pretty nice retirement income. But now if you can live on 2.7% of that, your $100,000 paycheck just became $27,000. And people look at me and they start, you know, throwing bread rolls at me. They're like, what the heck are you talking about? How in the world am I going to survive? So if now, if you need a hundred grand a year, you need $3 million. So the numbers change. And so when you look at the challenge of a, a nest egg producing income, you've got to think outside the box of just looking at Wall Street to solve all your problems because uh, Warren Buffett's number one rule of investing is what? Hey, don't lose money. And his number two rule is don't forget rule number one. So the problem with looking at money to be the salvation is when Wall Street takes chunks of it, you actually violate that withdrawal rate in a substantial way. You might not be taking two or 3%, to get your same 20 or $30,000, you might be taking five or six or 7% damaging the underlying nest egg even further. And that model of 4% was kind of created at a time when the interest rates were much higher. And that was the reality of the world then. And that I don't think is the reality of the world today. No, we've got, sadly, we have very, very low interest rates and we have an enormous amount of debt, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And the, the, the challenge, I think, for most uh, folks that are over age 50 right now is looking to determine where can they place their money. And the reason I use the word place is that we have this uh, mindset at Smart Retirement Solutions says, look, the the purpose of money should dictate the placement of money. And so if people understand, well, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to enjoy myself. I want to be able to take care of my kids. I want to be able to provide for my grandkids. Well, then each of those purposes should have an appropriate place. And the places that we've all grown accustomed to, uh, CDs down at the bank that pay three, four, five percent um, or savings accounts that pay two and a half or three percent. Those things don't exist anymore because the overall interest rate climate is so low and arguably uh, is likely to be low for the balance of the lifetimes of all of the current uh, retirees. So we have to look for other sources of predictable income 
and ways to try to keep up with inflation at the same time. So there are some pretty big headwinds we're facing. And then you couple that. There, I think the challenge for a lot of people are there's so many unknowns uh, ahead of them that they have to project for, and they don't have kind of the knowledge base in order to make the uh, appropriate decision maybe at the appropriate time. You talk in terms of uh, kind of revenue streams, and you mentioned Social Security is a revenue stream and their pensions a revenue stream. Um, how do you kind of uh, encourage your clients to create these multiple revenue streams or what are some of the areas you have them consider in terms of creating um, additional revenue streams? A lot of that depends on their age, their longevity expectations, who else are they responsible for, uh, et cetera. So for instance, if you have um, a single person with no kids, well, they're responsibilities are, are simply to care for themselves for the remainder of their life. And if they don't really have a lot of beneficiaries, then you can look at a plan that uh, is kind of a spend it down to zero type of a mindset. Uh, you, know, you, you want to be careful you don't spend it down to zero a little too early, but you literally could spend all of your resources if you're the only person that you need to worry about uh, providing for. Somebody that's married, has kids, uh, maybe has grandkids, has additional responsibilities, that person has to think in terms of how can I offload some of this risk? So that's where life insurance can be a good friend because it can share the burden of getting kids uh, through college or through their, uh, their weddings or their first down payment on their first home or something like that. Um, it can also replace income. One of the challenges that most people uh, face is that they don't realize when one spouse predeceases the other, a big chunk of the household income immediately goes away because the remaining spouse can only claim one of the two available social security benefits. They can't claim both. And even with a robust uh, pension program like Uncle Sam has, a full survivor benefit is still only 50% of uh, the person's pension. So for instance, let's say that person had a $5,000 a month FERS annuity, a federal pension, and they passed away. The maximum they can provide to their spouse is a 50% benefit. So that $5,000 stream of income just dropped to $2,500, and the remaining spouse can only take one of the two social security benefits. So they usually take the higher one, which may be the spousal benefit, but that means that there may have been a $4,000 immediate drop in revenue onto that family's balance sheet in a moment's notice when the one spouse passed away. So unless you've got two or three or $4 million to all of a sudden make up that differential, Life insurance can be a great help because it produces a tax-free onboarding of capital into the family, uh, and it allows for that remaining spouse to deal with the income deficiency that just uh, came along when the one person left the, uh, you know, the family. Now, are there any other kind of expenses out there that the pre-retiree is not kind of maybe spending as much uh, mental energy on like should should I be caring about like long term um, 
healthcare or, you know, the, in case, uh, I need help. Is that an area that, uh, more people should be paying more attention to? Statistics tell us that only 10% of the current baby boom generation has made any sort of provision for long-term care expenses. And yet, if you survey 1,200 people uh, in the baby boom generation, uh, about one or two of them are going to need fire insurance. One or two of them are going to have a major fire in their house if you're surveying 1,200 people. Five of them will have their automobile totaled. About 150 of them will actually be hospitalized, but 720 of those 1,200 people will need some kind of ongoing long-term care. Everybody has uh, some kind of insurance for renters or homeowners insurance. Almost everybody has auto insurance and some kind of medical coverage. And yet only 10% of retirees or pre-retirees have even made a decision to deal with long-term care. And what we find in these conversations is for many years, people just couldn't grasp the concept of another auto insurance type policy where if I never, ever get in a car accident, all I've done is pay that little green gecko hundreds of thousands of dollars over my lifetime, and I never really got my money back. Traditional long-term care insurance has that same feature. A couple of them now have a return of premium or a death benefit option, but not many. So the idea is if I'm going to spend 50, 60, 80, $100,000 in long-term care premiums and it, I just happen to pass away in my sleep or I'm in a car accident and pass away and I never use long-term care, I've, I've moved that six figures off of my family's balance sheet and nobody else benefits from it. So the idea of having what we call asset-based long-term care or hybrid long-term care allows a family to make decisions or maybe even share benefits for long-term care in a much more creative way than just a use it or lose it, which is a traditional long-term care type of a model. And then at what age do you think uh, people should start paying attention to that and looking into that? Well, it's kind of the same thing that uh, that Colonel told me when I was 20. You start trying to solve a problem when you're 20 Uh, It's very, very inexpensive to solve it. You try to solve that same problem when you're 75, it's uh, it's incredibly expensive to solve the same problem because time and uh, leverage is not your friend. So making decisions sooner rather than later becomes a very powerful planning model in anything to do with uh, money or life insurance or long-term care insurance. Uh, There's an old slogan that I heard, look, the best day to buy life insurance was yesterday. And the reason for that is we knew you were uh, what the exact state of your health was and you were alive yesterday. Well, if you didn't buy it yesterday, today's the next best day. And if you don't buy it today, tomorrow's the next best day because the unpredictability of the human body and life makes it such that we want to underwrite and get approved for long-term care or life insurance or anything to do with our health or our mental well-being while we're still capable. Because once you're not capable, you can't get the insurance, right? There's a big hurricane out in the Gulf of Mexico right now. You can't buy homeowners insurance in the state of Texas or Louisiana. They won't let you do it. You've got to get through this event, uh, let the storm surge go away, do whatever damage, and then they'll open the market back up. It's the exact same concept. If you are facing a health crisis, now it's a little bit late 
uh, it may not be late to do something, but the sooner the better, certainly in the, in the areas of long-term care and life insurance. So when uh, clients work with your firm, what does that look like? Like, uh, I imagine you want to get them as quickly as, as soon as possible, right? Because earlier is better, so they can have more uh, choices when it comes to the different uh, uh, places they want to invest in to prepare for their future. But what does it look like? Like, what are some of the questions you're asking and what are some of the things you're trying to tackle? And then how do you deal with them as they age? We enjoy working with clients of all ages. The, the fun part about working with younger folks is that you can show them that for far few dollars than their parents or grandparents invested, they can uh, accumulate hundreds or thousands, if not millions of dollars when they're older. And every year that they wait, they have to contribute more to accomplish that objective. So for younger folks, it may simply be uh, setting up a budget and figuring out how to negotiate with your 25-year-old self, your 50-year-old self, and your 80-year-old self. You, you're going to have a certain number of dollars throughout your lifetime, one, two, three, four million dollars, whatever your annual salary is times, say, 35 years of working. That's the amount of money you have to work with. Well, the 25-year-old self can't spend it all, nor can the 85-year-old self hoard it all and make, you, make the younger part of you miserable for all those years. Uh, my friend Tom Hegner wrote a really successful book uh, called Paychecks and Playchecks. And in that book, he describes retirement in three ways. He says, look, from 62 to 75, those are the go-go years. You want to go to Alaska, go to Hawaii, go to the Grand Canyon, go on a Viking River cruise. You simply want to go, go, go. From 75 to 85, those are the slow-go years. You still want to go on a cruise, but this time instead of uh, Carnival with the margarita, it's Holland America with the hot chocolate, right? So you're dialing it back a little bit. And then from 85 to 95 and beyond, those are the no-go years. You're not going anywhere. You're paying people to come and play checkers and uh, Monopoly with you. And people laugh at that. But it's very, very true. And it's a really easy way to think about how do I need to have my money placed? Because if the purpose of money dictates the placement of money, and I need to fund a lot of fun in the go-go years, and some fun, but maybe some visits to the doctor and the chiropractor in the no uh, slow-go years, and then maybe more visits to the doctor in the no-go years, well, then I can't let any one of those seasons uh, hog all the resources. Each one of them has to share. And so that 25-year-old person, if they can understand that they will arrive statistically at those different junctions of life, then they can make decisions when they're younger to have fun, but to set aside some resources so that they can still have fun when they're older. But how do they kind of uh, come up with that number, the magic number? Well, a lot of it depends on where they are in life, what career. I mean, if uh, my number is certainly a lot lower than Bill Gates's number, right? Because his earning capacity is infinitely more than mine. Uh, so we have to be realistic and say, based on the career track uh, that we're on and our objectives and our personal skills and our personal ability to, to earn money, well, then we need to set a budget that is functional for us during the younger years and uh, allow us to have uh, 
uh, objectives. Maybe somebody wants to uh, have a particular place in mind that they want to retire to. So maybe they start buying that property sooner and they have tenants in there. And then eventually the tenants have paid off that property and they can move into it and live there. Other people might think about it and say, well, gosh, I'd rather use a mortgage as a financial planning tool. I'd rather actually have safe, positive leverage on an appreciating asset and control my capital. So a lot of the decisions are really driven by the client based on what they bring to the discussion, their earning power, their view of debt, uh, their view of what the future looks like. Do they want a couple kids? Do they want 10 kids? So there's really no one size that fits all, can't be. But that's why working with a professional like yourself can help them kind of think through the different uh, things that are ahead of them and things that maybe they weren't aware of. Yes. We tell people, look, you're the CEO of your life. And we are simply trusted advisors that, that you have on your team to give you advice and show you scenarios. And we can show you what it looks like to have a really, really uh, lavish lifestyle from 21 to 51. And the flip side of that is you're going to have most likely a very uh, non-lavish lifestyle from 61 to 91. Uh, So if we can project far enough out and we can show people uh, the positive uh, ramifications of saving an extra dollar today without completely living in fear uh, or being punished for being young, then young people can really transition into retirement a lot better than some folks that are currently doing it today. So you can make decisions, spend a lot less money to solve problems like long-term care or private pensions or uh, dealing with taxes and Roth IRAs and those things. The sooner you start down a particular track that is going to be beneficial, the, the, the faster you'll be able to run when you're older. If there's a federal employee out there that wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the best website to get a hold of you? Uh, we could do, uh, actually, the easiest way is just uh, srsvisit.com. We just have a, an online calendar. It's really easy, srsvisit.com, or you could call 800-309-7830, 800-309-7830. Uh, we've got folks in Texas, Colorado, Florida, but each of those teams also serves uh, remote clients. A lot of federal workers uh, are stationed remotely. We have clients overseas. uh, We have clients in Asia. uh, They're just not close to anything here in the U.S. uh, stateside that would make it easier. We have folks that uh, that operate in several different time zones and we'd love to to visit. Uh, it's It's a great way to start a discussion and provide information for folks to at least get the ball rolling wherever they are. Uh, moving forward is a, is a good thing and you don't have to have all your ducks in a row, but maybe we'll start with one and uh, turn that little thing around and get you going. And the website smarterretirementsolutions.com is also another place where they can find information about you and, and your work. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story today and congratulations on all the success. And uh, we appreciate the work you're doing to help folks. Thank you very much. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Retirement Tips Radio.
Retirement Tips Radio is brought to you by Business Radio X, the voice of business in your community. Currently serving over 25 markets, the Business Radio X network is growing fast. We're teaming up with retired execs and established entrepreneurs to support and celebrate local business leaders. If you'd like to make additional income while making a difference, discover more at brxteam.com. Thank you.